Live from State Street in the heart of Chicago, you are listening to the new home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago. And this is Waddle and Sylvie, WMVP, WSHE, HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. Last time we talked to our next guest, Jeremiah, was before the Bears took on the Chargers in Los Angeles. That didn't go well. It did not go well. No. But then uh, the rest of the season did not go very well for the Chargers either. And it does appear like they're uh, just about to land uh, Jim Harbaugh. He's one of their analysts. And, of course, he does great work on the NFL Network. He also is a former scout. Um, he'll uh, have all sorts of great mock drafts and is on their coverage for the NFL draft. Daniel is also host of Move the Sticks podcast, along with Bucky Brooks and Rhett Lewis. It's available wherever you listen to podcasts, and he is an all-around great guy. He joins Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000 right now on the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. Daniel, how are you feeling today? Um, I'd feel better if we had more than Fernando Tatis in the outfield, <laughs> but um, that's all we got right now. Yeah, you're, you're very, That's two times in a row when yeah. you joined us. That you led with baseball. You're very, very big into your baseball team. Yeah, I love it. It's my kind of, uh, it's like uh, my little hobby on the side here. So I'm watching tape all day long. Usually I'll listen to like MLB radio or some baseball podcasts. It's kind of my little escape here. Will you be better also if Jim Harbaugh is announced as the next Chargers head coach in the next several hours? Well, it'll be fun. Um, it, you know, as, as someone who's calling those games, uh, you know, he wins everywhere he goes. Yep. Uh, he's obviously he's a little quirky and a little different. Uh, but I'm, you know, shoot, I'd sign up for it right now if they could get that done. Yeah, yeah. So would we would too. So would we, yeah, we but, were but hoping the Bears, for that. The Bears had no interest. It, did that surprise you? That the Bears had no interest. They will. They rather uh, switch out their entire offensive staff hire a new D.C. and keep Eberflus than reaching out to Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I, yeah, that would definitely, you know, surprise me, especially because he's got, you know, connections there in the city. Um, usually what happens is you kind of usher in a new era at the quarterback position. It's usually followed by some other changes in, in the organization. Normally it's, a uh, you know, either a general manager or a head coach. But the Bears have they, – they've got this interesting cycle going now where they've kind of held on to a coach and then brought in a quarterback. This would be you – know, assuming, yeah. and we'll get to that part of the conversation, assuming they do it. That's what, the third time that they they would have potentially done that, of bringing in a new quarterback um, after swapping out some of the staff? You know what they say about doing the same thing over and over again, Daniel, like expecting <laughs> it to be a different outcome. And I think there's some skepticism here. Well, before we get to the quarterback conversation, what do you yeah. make of the Bears hiring Shane Waldron as their offensive coordinator? You know, I don't know him, um, but I think, you know, he's been around a lot of smart people. I thought he did a pretty good job last year in Seattle. Um so uh, on the outside, without a ton of knowledge of him as, as a person, I think the results are, are, are pretty solid, and I'd be excited about that if I were a Bears fan. How much, uh, uh, I guess the better question is, is how would you believe, would it be Fields or Williams that you think would fit his style better, I guess? Well, you know, I think a lot of times it's, you know, the good play callers and Tom, you know that, man, like they're, they're going to work around who they have. I just want the best player. Right. Um, and I, 
think that's personally, I think that's Caleb, and I would uh, I would imagine he could fit into any system uh, with with what he's capable of. So um, that would be my answer to that. I think Caleb would would be the answer, and uh, you know, but you'd be smart. Whoever the the coordinator is, whoever they would have hired would be smart to kind of survey the landscape of who the quarterback is and kind of morph and build around him instead of forcing him to, to fit into what he does. You're on the outside looking in on this um, in regards mm-hmm. to Justin Fields. Um, would it surprise you, or maybe you do know this, that this is as polarizing of a decision with the fan base as any that we could remember? Yeah, I, you know, I, I talked to somebody about this. Um, it was actually not even uh, not even someone in the league because the, everybody I talked to in the league kind of shares the same opinion, which is this shouldn't be very complicated. You 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 go get Caleb Williams. Obviously, the financial side of it, and jump into all that as well. But it, you you chase greatness. You, it's a no brainer. Um, that's from people in the league. But then I hear the feedback, obviously on social media, and you guys see it um, and hear it all the time. There is a affinity for for Fields there in Chicago, and I I look I love his toughness. I think it's easy to see he's got better and better, um, and he's going to be a starting quarterback somewhere in the league next year. But I didn't fully understand it. And then somebody I talked to who's literally just a lifelong Bears fan, and he was like, "Do you realize how low the bar is at quarterback here? <laughs> like what we've watched over the last thirty years, we've seen competence, and some of us have you know have confused competence for greatness." And and that's why that you know the love affair is there, and I get that. I, I didn't think of it from that from that standpoint. Uh, Daniel, we advise people that come on and, and we have these conversations who suggest that going to Williams is a better option than Fields is to take your phone, put it in a shoebox for two days <laughs> because you're you're not going to believe some of the stuff that oh, people yeah, are going to send your way. Uh, with regard yeah. to Caleb, he was I mean last year won the Heisman was a can't-miss generational guy. And then after this year, there were some people suggesting that, hey, he didn't play that well. What do you make of the narrative changing? How do you feel about him now? Yeah, I feel the same um, as I did last year. Obviously, it's a little more it's, – it's not as easy to profess it because the results you know, were different this year than the results last year. But when you go back in and watch the tape and you see – the, you know, look, A, the schedule was, was, was tougher. They played a better schedule. But B, the, the interior of their offensive line was not good at all. And he was under constant duress. The defense was worse, um, one of the worst defenses in, in college football. So you are constantly feeling the pressure of needing to score 50 points. Um, I mean, they stink, and I think they scored what forty-two points against Washington and lost. Yeah. Um, you know, a bunch of the losses he had, you can look at it where he had big days. Um, but you know, to me, he got under—he was under a lot of pressure. He—I thought he tried to do too much. There were times where I'm just watching tape going, "Just take the check down, take the check down." He wouldn't. He got a little big play hungry there. But everything that I saw with him that was in the negative column is is hundred percent correctable. And I've seen him do all the things that you need to do to play that position at an extremely high level. Uh, I think he's a rare talent in terms of just the throwing ability. Like if you guys were to, you know, play a game of horse with quarterbacks and say, okay, over this, under that, you know, drive the ball where it doesn't get, but only so high off the ground from this arm angle, that arm angle, like he's just a gifted, gifted thrower uh, of the football. So he's not perfect. There's no perfect prospects. Um, but I know, as somebody told me uh, the other day, brought up the good point that 
you know, one of the reasons why Bears fans are having a hard time is because literally the worst game of his career was the game against Notre Dame this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's the one that's, that's fresh in their heads. I would, I would ask him to do something very drastic and way out of the box. Uh, watch him play the same team the year before and see what you think. Yeah, yeah interesting. Um, Daniel Jeremiah joining us. It's Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. What about the personality of, of what you know right now, Daniel? What about him as a teammate? What about an overbearing father that some people may bring up? About wanting him to change the landscape of, of how rookies are paid or, or what he wants from a team? What do you know about all that stuff off the field or in the locker room? Well, I'm still going to, you know, a lot to learn there. Um, and so, you know, I don't have a ton of concrete information there other than just talking to, to buddies and scouts that have gone through there. I haven't had a chance to talk to the USC folks myself. But everything that I've got is like, look, he loves football. He's a hard worker. Um, he, you know, he watches a ton of tape. He puts in time. Um, so that that is all great. Now, from people in his, if you want to call it his camp, I don't know if that's his family, if that's people that are around him that maybe were a little naive in terms of the, you know, the power that you might possess coming into this process. Um, I think that's fair to say that that maybe that's the case, but it doesn't sound like that's specifically him. Um, so when you have to me, everything I've heard is a, is a good teammate. His guy, you know, guys in the team seem to really like him, and he works really hard. Some of the the naive stuff in the camp and, and off the field, that stuff, I mean, look, you, you do your homework on it, but I haven't heard anything that's a, uh, you know, a major, major red flag in that regard. Is there any sort of big offer that you could get that you would be able to move off of him where you would say, Hey, the bears could go and get Marvin Harrison jr. At three. He's can't miss. He's super good. And then the bears could collect a couple of first round picks in the process while still using Justin Fields to find out with a different coach and more around him if he could be the solution in the process? Um, I, I, would, I wouldn't go in that direction. I can't imagine what the offer would be. I would just say, I would turn around and ask the people this. Um, do you think that you have the fourth best quarterback in your division? And do you want to go into next year potentially still having the fourth best quarterback in your division? Or do you want to take, and, and there is a chance, there's obviously a risk involved in anybody you take, but do you want to take somebody who, I don't know if he'll be the best quarterback in the division, but if they drafted Caleb Williams, they would have the most talented quarterback in that division. Interesting. Uh, are you concerned at all with his size? No, he's thick. I mean, he's, he's going to be one. Um, you know, maybe a little bit over, but he's got, I think he's got huge hands and he's, you know, 220 pounds. I mean, he is put together. Um, he's just not tall. Uh, but he's one of those guys when you have, like, when you have the type of arm that he has, Tom, where you can, you can go, you can go under center and you can go play action. Like, yeah. what, think about what Seattle did with Russell and you can create so much distance between him and the line of scrimmage. Mahomes does the same thing. Mahomes isn't a huge guy. But when you have arms like that, you can, you know, if you have issues seeing, fine, just set him up deeper because he's got an absolute hose to be able to, to make any throw you want from depth. Daniel, I heard, like you mentioned a little bit earlier, that, that a lot of people felt he was trying to do too much at times. But then when you watch him, ball also comes out about as quick as I've seen a quarterback mm-hmm. let the ball go when he's playing in structure. What type of offense do you think he'll thrive in going forward? I think if you watched 
defense. And I know people complained about the Bills the other night, right? But if you watch that game, um, Josh Allen is, uh, you know, he threw probably, what, 12 or had maybe 12 completions kind of at along the line of scrimmage because in this, I think Caleb's got quicker hands than Josh does just to be able to catch rock throw. You can bake in some of those easy ones. He can throw it around defenders. You want to unblock the end. He can drop it down and get it around him. But like to me early on, I'm going to give him some of those baked in and we're going to run the ball. And then we're going to take vertical shots, whether that's, you know, over the top, that's deep overs, things like that, you know, with the run game being involved in that, using that play action to be able to get depth from the center. Um, I, and on top of that, I think early on in his career, you can sprinkle in some of the design quarterback runs because, you know, look, he's, he's a sturdy, he's a sturdy dude. So uh, I think that's kind of a good way to ease him in. But uh, yeah, I, I think when, once you get him comfortable, um, I, I think it's kind of limitless of the things you can do with him. I was, yeah, I was just going to ask. I mean, outside of him trying to do too much, in your opinion, this year, what would be if you had to write down some negatives? What would those be? Yeah, I, I think just not taking not taking layups when okay. they're there. Um, I think holding the ball, which led to some sacks. One of the one of the biggest things, which again, all these things are correctable. He splits his hands when he takes off. You know, so you, that's led to some fumbles. Um, so just keeping two hands on the ball when you're moving around in the pocket. Um, I, I think those are, you know, those are kind of the main things, but I've seen him, I've seen him play in structure. I've seen him get to number three in the progression from the pocket. It's just, you know, when you're getting hit a ton and you're getting a ton of interior pressure, he started, you know, realizing I'm, I'm, I'm not going to settle in here and make a home in this pocket. I'm going to try and move around. Um, so I, again, I, you look at the teams that are still playing the four that are left, it's not a it's not a secret, you know, you're talking about a ton of high draft capital invested in the offensive lines, especially for three of the four teams. The Niners are a little different, but you know, could keep investing in that offensive line, whoever the heck the quarterback's gonna be. Talking to Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network. Also check out his podcast, Move the Sticks. Wherever you listen to your podcast, it's Waddle and Sylvie. Um, I know that you, one of your favorite prospects in the draft is Adunze. Do you believe mm-hmm. that the Bears have a chance to get him at nine? Yeah, I wouldn't even say one of. He's my favorite player in the whole draft. I, I, I love I love watching that guy play. He is a stud. Um, and I think, look, I've talked to teams all the time, and, and right now you're getting more individual evaluations from GMs or, you know, personnel guys. You're not, it's not how their board is, you know, going to be set. But a lot of them have, you know, Marvin and then Neighbors and then Adunze. My personal preference. I mean, I, I have Marvin. Obviously, will be my top guy. But I gave Adunze the same the same grade. He's my number two guy, and it's one wow. A and one B. And I would be a. I think it's a home run. I think he's like so easy to watch. What he does translate as a as someone who's a craftsman, who's like a real route runner, can run every route on the tree, and is uh, he's got a, a big big uh, catch radius. Contact catches, he's better than Marvin in that department. Um, and there's stats that'll, that'll bear that out. But, you know, if he's there at nine uh, and you've got your quarterback uh, with the first pick and you've got a chance to get him at nine holes, man, I would, I would not use the uh, 15 minutes to let us blabber on the network about it. I would just run that thing up as fast as possible. Well, I'm actually looking at your, your mock draft here, and i got to ask you, uh, you have him going to the Chargers at five. Oh. Is there a reason? Uh, hometown the, of favoritism right there, Daniel. You know, know why? You know why? Because in that mock draft, they wouldn't let me give an outfielder to the Padres. So that was the next <laughs> like, something that I could do. I like that. Uh, I like that. I uh, mean, listen, I, I can't imagine if you – if 
if the Chargers hire Harbaugh with Justin Herbert and you find a Dunze on that on that roster next year along with some of the other talent inside that huddle they're going to be an exciting football team there's no question you know what that means right if that happens I'll, I'll get fired and then I won't even get to see it you know it's like I'll be like Moses I wouldn't even get to go into the promised land I just get to see it from a distance oh. who do, and who do you have the Bears getting at number nine um, you got a pass rusher, Jared Verse. Yeah, Jared Verse. Yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, one of those things. One of the things I actually kind of like about the mock drafts, which they can be a little bit futile in, in its exercise. But I do sometimes. People won't believe this, but some of the feedback you get from fans um, sometimes it'll make me rethink some things. You know, just I've, I haven't thought of it from that perspective. And one of which was, if we're going to take the quarterback then, you know, wouldn't you want to go all in and making sure that decision is made right by yeah. just doubling down on offense? And I'm like, you know what, that's, a, that's actually a pretty good point. If I was the one making the pick at one um, and I had to choose, you know, I, I choose a quarterback and I've decided to move on from Justin Fields, man, I might want to, I might want to uh, help myself out a little bit with that decision and go offense again with the second pick. Hey, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, get your thoughts on what will transpire Sunday in the title game. So what do you expect in the AFC and NFC title games? I think everybody plays their best game. It's the two home teams. Um, I, you know, Kansas City, it's, it sounds crazy. I, I see them twice a year, and I know how great I work with Andy Reid. I know how great Mahomes is. But I just think Baltimore's a better team, and I think their defense uh, can suffocate you, and I don't think Kansas City has a way to expand that defense. So I like Baltimore there. And then, um, look, I, I feel like San Francisco kind of had their clunker last week and still found a way to win. I, I anticipate they'll play a heck of a lot better this week. Daniel, great stuff. Yeah. We always appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thanks, Daniel. Appreciate it, guys. See ya. There you go. Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network. He's unwavering. Yeah. He, like, you could throw a lot at him about Caleb Williams and about Justin Fields. And he's like, look, you're going to be the most talented at quarterback with Caleb Williams. You're the fourth most talented with Justin Fields. That's how simplistic he's putting it. Others, like, I tried to play the the other side with him and bring up the other points that a lot of the field's supporters have brought up about, hey, you can get the boatload if you trade down. Hey, are you worried about Caleb Williams inside the room? Um, he called it chasing greatness yeah. at the quarterback position. And there are no, and he did say there are no guarantees. Right. Like, you know, the, like I did see someone uh, retweet, I think it's Jerry Hairston too. Jerry Hairston Jr., huge Bears fan. He does the Dodgers pre and post. I think he's a big Justin fan, too. Huge, yeah. huge. So he grew up in Naperville. Uh, big, big, big. Um, him and Carm are, are buddies. And he's a huge Fields guy. He retweeted someone's tweet about like where everyone ranked Mahomes in the 2017 draft. And I think of like all the draft experts, I think most of, like it's to Yurko's point, all of them had Mahomes th- third. Mm-hmm. But it's like up to the general manager. It's not up to the mocks to get it right. Do you know who it's, had Mahomes pegged correctly? Andy Two teams. Reed. And Sean Payton. Yeah. Two of the smartest guys in all of the National Football League over the last several decades. Right. Had him pegged as the best quarterback in that draft. Right, right. Like, okay. I, again, I just want them to get that right. Whether whether whoever has the uh, whoever validated Ryan Pace on the the mock drafts or whatever, I just I, again I, I I don't 
It doesn't matter. I want him to, to get it right. And I'm not like saying like you have to get rid of Fields. I'm not that way. My my choice right now is I think Caleb Williams is a smarter decision. Do I know that? I, no, I'm not an expert. I, I'm, I'm absolutely not an expert. I am open-minded to these other interesting scenarios of possibly trading down, getting this incredible haul. I'm open-minded to that. Um, I just want to get it right. And I'm fearful of, of him developing somewhere else. But I do think that you're, you're, you've simplified it in the easiest terms. If you love Caleb Williams at one, you can't pass him up. I wouldn't. If I was indecisive about it, then I would go the other direction. The other thing that I've been kind of, you know, that I find that is pretty consistent as well is outside of of our town and with regard to people like not exist or, you know, current players or former players, because I feel in most instances, former players who are very good at their jobs, I'm not saying but there is a bias towards existing NFL players as opposed to the, the unknown that exists with rookies. Because we're all used to having had most, you know, other, me more than others, having rookies come in and compete for your job. So there is, I personally feel that there is always a, a, a reluctance for former players to kind of look into the draft and side with that crew. That's just the way that that I I've I've seen it or felt how it's it's been talked about. But I think outside of Chicago, and you talk to people inside the NFL universe, guys like Daniel Jeremiah or guys like Tannenbaum from 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 ESPN and others, to them, it's a pretty easy decision. And not just the you're resetting the quarterback clock, but they factor in everything. I think this is is portrayed as a more difficult decision here in Chicago by our fan base because there is an enormous appreciation for justice. I just think that once you get out of our city limits and you talk to people that are connected to our team and people around the league, it's like when you do all of these anonymous you know uh, articles about I talk to X number of offensive coordinators or general managers yeah, or assistants. It's Charles a pretty, Robinson did it. Yes, it's a pretty unanimous decision on their behalf. It's look, you're going to chase greatness at one. He's is he a perfect product or or prospect? No, but there's a ton of talent there. You get to reset here, and Justin has made a lot of progress, but not enough for you to actually move forward with. I'm just telling you, I think that that is the vast majority opinion from people outside of us. It was also interesting that Adunze graded almost identical to Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, Adunze smooth. Yeah, but but like a lot of people think that it's Marvin Harrison Jr. And then everybody else. Yeah, I'm no draft expert. I would, I would, I would think Harrison Jr. would be the the surer thing. But I think, I think Harrison Jr. is probably the surest thing, regardless of position, in this draft. Uh, Mario in Norwood Park. You're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Mario? Hey guys. Good afternoon. Hey Mario. So my question is maybe more to Waddle about hedging the position of the Bears. My whole career has been in the world of trading, and I don't understand what hedge exists if the Bears decide to trade Justin and go with a rookie quarterback that the current tables of quarterbacks in the NFL, there's only been one quarterback currently playing that has done well in his first year out of Houston. So wouldn't it make more sense, Tom, 
if the Bears were to keep Justin and draft this kid from USC and I, let him sit for the next year, putting I, money aside? I would not do that. I wouldn't. That wouldn't be my choice. I'm either moving forward with Justin or I'm moving forward with Caleb Williams or whoever it is at number one overall. I just, I, I wouldn't, that's not the approach I would take. N- not to mention, Mario, because if in fact you do that, you forego the opportunity to trade Justin for what would be, I think, a fairly high draft pick. I don't believe it'll be a one, maybe a late one, but certainly a two. If you keep him, and for whatever reason, he isn't your starting quarterback going forward, you've just, you've punted on, on the opportunity so to get something for him. So what are you saying, that C.J. Stroud is the only quarterback pl- who played in his first year currently in the NFL? Is that w- no, I'm just going by what you guys have been saying sort of all along then. Did Joe Burrow play in his first year or was he hurt? I mean, like, he got hurt, I think, like, halfway through. But, but again, like, but he, he, he did play, like, Peyton Manning played in his first year. Now I think Justin play, Herbert played, played well he, in his first year. Yeah, like, a lot of guys play in their first year, and, like, just because you don't play well, you still have to learn on the job whether you play well or not. Like didn't Andrew Luck play both, in his first in his first year? Didn't they? Oh, I'm sure he did. Make, yeah. make, they 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 Manning elected to hurt. get rid of Manning. Yeah, they elected to trade him. I think you guys know I've pointed out like a good formula that if you have a quarterback like the one from Green Bay, sit behind a, a better quarterback for a while. But but that, that's that a Hall of Fame quarterback down. in his prime when you're already winning. Right. There's a difference that's between. True, but, there's a difference between, hey, wait your turn because we've got a Hall of Famer and we're in our window of, of going for a championship. And, hey, it's it, we want to go with the next guy. And, Mario, think about it as well. As I mentioned about Justin's trade value, if, in fact, you draft Caleb Williams, you are going to forego acquiring several high draft picks. You're not going to recoup all of that by trading Justin, but you could recoup a, a, a pick or two. That could help you address. Like, look, uh, uh, Tyreek Stevenson was a second-round pick, right? Sure. Like, if you got a, a second-round pick in the same spot You got for Montez Justin, Sweat for a second-round pick. Right. Like, you could turn, if that's the path you choose, you could turn Justin into one of those picks that ultimately could be your three technique, your left tackle, Whatever it sure. is, you could you could trade it for a player. Yeah, so yeah. I I don't think that there's any scenario. I don't believe there's any scenario where they would draft a quarterback first overall and keep Justin. But again, I'm having a hard time really feeling strongly and confident that I know what they're going to do up there. What was Brisker? Was Brisker second round? Second round. You like yeah. Brisker? Well, Gordon was second round. Yeah, as well. like Both those are building block players. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, James and Gurney, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, James? Hey, boys. Nice to talk to you. Hey, just a little, little side note, man. Connie's Pizza is awesome. I'm not just kissing oh. your booty there. I'm serious. So, it's fantastic. My, we we fantastic. shared one on Sunday. Cornmeal crust, but you got to put it on a you got to put it on a, uh, a stone, just to let you know. A little FYI. If you don't have a stone, go buy one. It'll change the whole game. There okay, you go. Google. Look at James, Pizza Man over there. Yeah. Listen, dude. I, man, doesn't it feel like the same thing a little bit, boys? I mean, I, I, I'm right with you guys. I don't. This is a huge. This is a monumental decision. It's kind of cumbersome to make your head spin, but it just feels like they're doing the same thing again. It's like even even not firing Simo. I know everyone loves him, but often just like they let Shane Waldrum come in and fire all his guys. But we're keeping an offensive line coach. It's just like sometimes it can be so maddening, like especially this, this Justice. And I like Justin Fields, but I, mean, I played football my whole life, and it just seems to me that. He can't take that next step. But all the stuff you talk about, Tommy, progression and, and time, but they're getting the, getting a center. So this is just, to me, 
man, I don't really know what they're going to do either. And I, you said it still be the best. It's like just to thinking about all the all you can get for that first pick. Maybe they'll hopefully almost like is Drake May a better quarterback in their eyes? Because if he is, like what you can get for that first pick, this is confusing. But at the end of the day, I think you got to go with Cable. You got to go with Williamson. It's just like this is. We're going to hear well, you, about this. You go until, with who you April. deem is. You go with who you deem is best. You don't go with the crowd. Like here's another. Here's Jerry Harrison just retweeted this too. This is, this is um, someone with the handle Taylor Dow tweeted this out. I guess she is on the flagship station for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and she tweeted out the picture that Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen were in the same draft class. Uh, as Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. That right? I want to make sure. I guess sure that... so. I guess so. I'm not sure. It is. It's correct. So, like, how'd that turn out? Get it right. Like, Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. Baker went one. Sam Darnold went soon after that. And you could have had Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Like, again, I know it's hindsight, but that's how drafts are judged in hindsight. You have got to get it right. That's why you hire scouts. It's why you pour millions into all this technology and why you spend months interviewing all these people and finding and going through all this film. I guarantee you they're not going through this process and saying, well, we've got to do this because what if we get it wrong? No, that's not how you go about evaluating and drafting. Or we have to take Caleb number one because everyone else has Caleb number one. Like, you have to deem who you think is the number one guy in three years will be the best player. Again, I know, like, and you may throw back at me, well, Sylvie, if they don't go with Caleb, you're going to crush them. No, I, I, I will crush them in three years if they end up with Mitch Trubisky and someone ends up with Patrick Mahomes. Well, because at that point, you've proven that you haven't been able to evaluate the most important position in the draft. Just get it right. Just get it right. I don't care what I'm happens. On, I will not be a Jets fan on, on draft day. I, I will not be the Philadelphia Eagles fan on draft day. I will, will be... Happy three years down the road if it's right. It's the same. It's simple. It's the same way I felt about Ryan Poles' decision, if you remember in his first draft, where we had a ton of offensive needs. You what were- did he do? He stayed with his board. He drafted a safety and a cornerback. And there were a lot of people that yeah, were like, why not I was a little bit. I was like that, too. And you you, call, you calmed everyone down. You, in the moment, were like, look, he, he is staying true to what he promised us. That's what you want. You want him. When he pitched himself for this job, he gave George and Ted and whoever else a plan. The last thing I wanted to see him do was deviate from his plan. And his plan was, I'm going to put my board together, regardless of position. We're a team with a ton of needs. So I'm going to stick to my board and pick the guys that I have rated highest at that time. He drafted a safety and he drafted a cornerback. And I do remember people were a little upset because George Pickens was available. There were some other guys. What I want my general manager to do is stick to his game plan and not vacillate because of emotion. So what I want from I want the same thing from my general manager here. I don't want him to pick Caleb Williams because he's fearful that he's going to get it wrong. I don't want him to pick it because he's afraid of what the NFL historians will say about him. I want him to make the selection that is a true reflection of how he feels. And if he doesn't feel that Williams or May or Daniels or anybody 
is worthy of that first overall pick, then I don't want him to select that guy. He already went against conventional wisdom with keeping Matt Eberflus and blowing up the rest of the coaching staff. I don't know how that's going, going to work. Like, well, we'll see. Yeah. We'll judge but, but like, in I, real time, too. Don't you, the, like, the last thing you want him to do now is do something that isn't his true feeling in his heart. No, right. Like, if you have doubt, don't pick one of these guys. If you're convinced, then pick one of them. Yep, yep. Uh, let's do some uh, Waddle's World right now. It's that time again when we venture deep into the great unknown. And in Chicago, Tom Waddle. He can't run, he's not fast, but he gets open. A trip inside the mind of a multi-concussed former Bears wide receiver. He caught everything that was thrown and took every hit that they could give him, and he had an all-time day in the use of smelling salt. Buckle up, boys and girls. Tom Waddle, everything wants to have a Tom Waddle. If I had a football team, I'd like to have a Tom Waddle on my team because you draw from that. It's time to go inside. Waddle's World. Tom Waddle did have to use a lot of smelling salt. Oh, thank you, John. Waddle's World brought to you by our great friends and partners at Wintrust Community Banks. They are Chicago's banks. And to find your nearest Wintrust Community Bank, just visit Wintrust.com slash find us. Member FDIC. I have a question for everybody involved. Did you have you noticed the following? Women are walking around without pants this winter. This is an article from the Wall Street Journal that I just saw across my computer. From runways to grocery runs, bottomless looks are everywhere. Why women are walking around without pants this winter. They're not nude from the waist down. They're basically just wearing like almost like in some instances, it's almost like a swimsuit bottom or it's a it's kind of like a. And the best way to say is, is a onesie, is like a, a, a one piece. There, if you look at the pictures, I, I this is the way that women are walking around in public this winter without pants on. I didn't know that that was a thing. I'll have to ask my wife. She I've has not. I've not seen, seen her. I've not seen. I've not seen her leave the house it's without been, pants not on. Not in Chicago, though. That's cold. Oh, there. This is in New York. I mean, this woman here has an overcoat on. She's got a shirt, looks cashmere, and then she's got what looks to be some granny pants on. I've definitely noticed this out How and about, you? yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if we did a little uh, surveying outside our studios, we would start to notice it, too. Have you noticed that, Meller? I have not. Are yoga pants out now, then? That I don't I, I think, don't think so. I think my wife like, wears yoga pants. Yeah, that's all my wife wears. But there is uh, there is some pantless craze going on in the world of fashion. Okay, I could. I'll I have could to ask my that. daughter. She she's in New York in this industry, and I and I've never seen this. I don't want to see my daughters wearing stuff like that. I'm I'm going to be honest with you. We're not wearing stuff like that. Exactly. Uh, there's some football news. Vic Fangio, as we talked about earlier, out as the Dolphins DC, and I believe he is the Eagles' top target. Yep. Says that he has become the Eagles' top target. But have we? Is there anything new that that I haven't checked crossing Twitter that that like the Eagles may be pursuing him, but maybe he's pursuing a different team? I don't know. Only thing I've seen is Eagles related. With okay, him. yeah. Uh, both would... Schefter and Fowler said I think the deal. The, the Eagles, the, the Eagles okay. have made him their top priority. Fangio yeah, will now yeah. be the top target for the Eagles' vacant defensive coordinator position. Sources told Schefter and Fowler, and a deal is expected. I wonder if Harbaugh's on the phone right now saying, "Vic." Let's redo this. Let's do this like we did it last time. Uh, Joe Barry is out as the Packers defensive coordinator. They sort of 
They redeemed themselves the last couple. They did, of games. but then of course the last drive, right? They had Purdy, yeah, uh, pretty much bottled up until th- that final drive. Well, I think when we had Tal Sean, and by the way, we owe him pizzas. Um, I, I did think, reach out to him. He has he now respond. responded to me. We should call him. He, he responded to me saying, um, I'll get it all figured out. Because I'm like, hey, quick pay, Tausch. I owe you pizzas. Yeah. You tell me where, because they're in two different locations. They don't broadcast from the same. And I'm like, I'll send one over here and one over there. Just tell me where. And he said he would let us know. Yeah. But they, So it's not like we've been ducking that. No, no, no. Uh but Tausch told us, I think, that he thought that that was going to happen, even if the defense continued to play much better. So they're going to be looking for a new defensive coordinator there. Um, All-Pro Chiefs guard Joe Thune is unlikely to play against the Ravens. That's a huge loss, especially when you're facing the number one defense in the league. That's no good. Uh, Debo Samuel does not have a fracture in his shoulder. Uh, they don't know yet whether or not he's going to play. But uh, it's not broken, so that's a good sign, said Shanahan, as captain of the obvious. I think so. But it's still hurting too much for us to really have an idea how he will heal up this week. So we've just got to be patient, see how he feels today. And based on if it's improving, it will give us a better idea whether he has a chance for the game or not. You know what? I wouldn't be shocked if they play this really cautiously and maybe think that they're going to get past Ooh, the Lions oh and save him. I'm just saying if there's any doubt at all, he's, he's got to dress. He's, he's vital to what they do. Maybe that's what they do. Maybe they dress him and see how the game goes. I don't know. I don't know how they feel. They say he's 50-50, but he doesn't have a fracture. Uh, I think you got to try. Bill's GM, Brandon Bean, is still looking at Stephon Diggs as their number one wide receiver. I'm not sure um, that he would say differently to the media if, in fact, it wasn't the case. So keep an eye on that. I think we've all talked about whether or not that that relationship will continue to exist. Tyler, did you ever send me the, the uh, copy of the tweets? I don't. We didn't talk about this yesterday, but I thought this was really interesting. I don't know if you saw it. If you see, if you watch Get Up, which I know you do, my guess is, is that you saw this. That Dak Prescott was on the receiving end of some mean tweets coming from family members of his teammates. Oh no! You didn't really? see this? No, I didn't see. Was this today or yesterday? This was. It was yesterday. I think that uh, Micah Parsons actually responded uh, to what was being said. Did you did you find those? Were you able to print those yeah, out? So I have the uh, the one from CD Lamb's CD Lamb's mom. mom. Come on. Oh, yeah. Posted on Facebook where moms usually go to slander their, uh, their, their son's, teammates. son's teammates. And just went out and posted, Dak isn't it, with three exclamation points wow. in, in all caps as By well. the way, C.D. Lamb this year, 135 catches for 1,749 yards, 12 touchdowns, was an all-pro. On the receiving uh, end of... 135? 135 just, receptions on a 181 targets. So Dak... The guy yeah. that C.D. Lamb's mom says ain't it. Just imagine if he had a quarterback who was it, what he could do. I think that's what they're saying. 280 catches. Easy. All right, who was the next? Who was the next? Uh, well, so there was also Dak Prescott's brother yes. who went on Twitter and said, Cowboys fans, why continue to DM me? Trust me, if I could get Dak to leave Dallas, I would. I, too, oh. want him out of Dallas. The city and organization have been great to he and our family, but done with the drama and the so-called fans. But he loves his team and wants to bring it rings. 
It, it, it's just, it is toxic for everybody. Like you've always said about social media. And finally, I believe Micah Parsons' brother had a tweet, didn't he? Uh, yes, I'm trying to find that I, one. But remember, there was I have also it here. the uh, Trayvon Diggs one. That was, from, that was about Stefan Di- yeah. uh, Diggs, yeah. Uh, Terrence Parsons, uh, Micah's brother, said, I can't wait cause, because you all are really clueless out there. The greatest crimes to this man is being done by his own organization. Y'all going to miss him when he gone. That was uh, Micah Parsons' brother. And then Micah replied by saying, any comments made by Terrence Parsons Jr. are his and his alone. As you know, if I have something to say, I'm not afraid to say it. I love my team, my brothers on my team in the city of Dallas, and I'm more committed than ever to bring a championship to the greatest fan base on earth. Can you imagine referring to your brother as any comments made by Terrence Parsons Jr. are his and his alone? Very formal of Micah. It's crazy (laughs) what the world's come to. This is what you have to do, though, navigating social media as a high-profile you, athlete. Like, you have to You have to basically, every time your sibling Mom, or parents... Shut up! Basically, yes. Because the problem is everybody assumes that whatever they're spouting off, is that it's in some way being funneled from the actual player. It Even used if to it's be not. Just, it used to just be yelling at the television. Now it's... He ain't it. Amplifying it on social media for everyone to see. He threw your son 181 passes this year. He had to be the most targeted offensive player in all of the National Football League this year. That's got to be close to like a top 10 all time as far as targeting. I can't even imagine. Uh, As expected, Doc Rivers uh, has been hired by the Bucs. I was trying to get Mike Wilbon to break some news with us last night. Did you see this story too? Like who broke the news? No. CNN. Oh, really? This, this was like a big deal last night. There was nobody attached to it. It wasn't Woj. It wasn't any basketball guy of no. And by the way, wasn't wasn't Doc ESPN's number yes, one NBA it, analyst? Right, right. And in the middle of like Turner's broadcast, they cited CNN is reporting. Doesn't Barkley have a show now on CNN? Yes, he does. I think that may be a back way of saying that maybe Barkley had the news. And didn't want to, like... Didn't want to attribute it to him? Yes. Did did you catch two? So Jamal Crawford was on the set for it, and I think it was Adam Lefko was the one delivering the news, and he goes, according to CNN Sports, and you just hear Jamal Crawford go, CNN. (laughs) That's right. I I, I, I tweeted awful announcing last night, and I heard Jay Hood talk about it, too, a little bit. Before the iPhone... Before you could get sports everywhere, before computers, I used to wait for 19 and 49 after the hour. I know Yurko was big on this, too, for CNN Headline Sports. Was it Fred? Who was it? Fred Hicks? Was yeah, he? Fred Hicks. And the other guy that... Nick Charles. Nick Charles. Well, they did like a, 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 they did like a sports center style show on right. CNN. Headline news. CNN Headline News. Every 19 and 49 past the hour, I had a two-minute sports report, like with Vanner All Right and Vanner All Right headline sports, and and they would give like a two-minute and with all the the sports scores because you wouldn't be able to just sign on to the computer and get sports scores. You, if I wanted to know in Carbondale what the Bulls were doing and the Bulls game wasn't on in Carbondale, I would have to go to CNN headline sports. Funny. I think we were going to talk about this a little bit later. Uh, Brewers are finalizing a deal with free agent uh, Reese Hoskins. 
Yes, we, we should. I had a Who good many time with th- Jesse. Many thought was going to be a cup. And finally, we got Bush, though. Yeah, we got Bush. Uh, Before we uh, take a break and come back with a little something we like to call Florida or Ohio, this story, uh, excessively farting passenger forces an American Airlines flight to turn around. An American Airlines plane was reportedly forced to return to the gate due to high wind. And it had nothing to do with the weather. It disgruntled passengers, smelly farts, the big stink. Uh, unfolded while a recent flight from Phoenix to Austin was still on the ground. You remember Cara on her trip, it was either to or from Mexico, where she blurted out where there was a passenger who kept farting. Oh, forget. She goes, to, Oh, come on! Did she? In the middle of the flight. I don't remember. Because that. someone kept farting. And it smelled so bad. And she just yelled Taking it out for finally. the team. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, the good kid will tell you that it's a health issue and you can't keep it in. But I can't imagine having if I'm a passenger and we turn around because someone's farts smell too bad. I I would rather get to my destination on time than just deal with it and turn it around. All right. When we come back, we'll uh, do a little Florida or Ohio. Get ready to play the game that's sweeping the nation. Public drunkenness. Exotic animals. Dumb criminals, random stabbings, or maybe just some good old-fashioned debauchery. Ah. Everything's on the table. It's the Sunshine State versus the Buckeye State as we play Florida or Ohio. And as always, listeners, feel free to play along at home. Tyler, did you do something wrong? Because it smells like that American flight in here. I didn't no, do anything. No. no. Okay. You're trapped in. You're trapped in like a different room almost. Right I know. Now. Well, but the door was open. Oh, okay. Well, I feel like we just got hotbox. I do. I will say, I don't think there is like airflow between that. There's even not. when the door is open, no. it doesn't feel like there's it's, airflow between the two. I had studios. eggs in here. Maybe it's the eggs. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's a lingering yurko. I just. I don't believe that this is really a a really half healthy environment. To be honest with you, between the lights. And all the clicking that goes on in the vents. You think the in a few years we're going to, like, figure I don't know mercury. what's going to happen, but somebody probably eventually will throw something that gets through both play, uh, panes of glass. Just everybody stand down. All right. Today's story. Man hands over license covered in meth during traffic stop. Oh, this is good. The a, license covered in meth. A man turned a traffic stop into a drug arrest on Sunday. Robert Brush was pulled over by a deputy for a minor traffic infraction. Bob Brush. Brush handed his license over to the deputy, which was covered in a white powdery substance, according to the sheriff's office, who said the powder tested positive for methamphetamine. There's Bob Brush, Cincinnati, Ohio. I can't argue with it, other than the only thing that leads me to go differently is because... It's too obvious because of all of the meth references. Yeah. And the, well, don't, I, don't think long. I like, I like the deputy factor in Florida, so I'm going Tallahassee. Ooh. There's deputy and sheriff in here in the story. Okay. I think we've established this before. I think they have those in Ohio. Do they not? Um, yeah. I'm going to say I think meth is uh, still meth? Ohio's drug still of choice. Still the drug of choice, so but I'll I go think with... Tyler's trying to give us a head, head fake. All right. O-H-O-I-O. We have a clean sweep on Ohio? No, I'm, they're you're, Florida. Okay. No, 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 I'm, no Ohio. I'm Florida. You're they're, Florida. They're Ohio, I'm Florida. <laughs> you spun yeah. yourself. Yeah, I'm on meth. It took place in Tampa, Florida. Oh. Dude, 
read the room correctly? You were trying to, you know, you went meth thinking that we'd say Ohio? No, this was just the best just story random? I found. Okay. Yeah. Best one so I found. It is a good again? story. He just turned over. <laughs> he his... turned it over. He gave his license, and there was a white powder on it. They tested it. It tests positive for meth. And the sheriff's office wrote on social media, on social media, amazingly, it's not the first time someone has handed over their license covered with an illegal substance. Oh, then they I'm sure that happens quite too. a bit. They brought in the dogs, searched the vehicle, and found a baggie under the driver's oh. seat holding... 14.23 grams of meth, as wow. well as a baggie of 2.08 grams inside. Is that frowned upon here? 14.3 grams a I lot. I don't know how much I think that is. Meth is frowned upon. How much is that, though? Like 14 grams of something I mean, is how much? It sounds like a lot. I don't have the exact. It's more than 10. I would think a gram of meth is a lot. I don't know what a gram of anything would look like. I'm not. We did this in science class in junior high with a little. With meth? With, with a little. With these little metal beads on the scale, it was like a gram. Fourteen yeah. grams is about half an ounce. Oh, that's, oh, that's a, it. I don't know what that would look like either, Jeff. Fourteen Talk grams is only drug half, people. A, uh, half an that's ounce. That's a lot of drugs. Is it half an ounce? Yeah. I don't know. What does it look like? <laughs> a half an ounce of alcohol is only about that much. Now imagine it being. I feel like it's kind of like a like the alcohol to drugs ratio. You know how they always say like an inch of rain is a foot of snow or something like that. I feel like that's what you're working with when it comes to drugs. I don't know. I'd like to see like uh, just in in baby powder how much like the thirteen grams would be. Isn't that what it was? Thirteen grams. Uh, four, fourteen. Yeah. Fourteen grams. We should do that. We should bring in a scale. 14 scale. grams of meth. So we should, have, we should have a Florida or Ohio scale so that way when we get a drug story, we, we can know. properly we can put it. it. We <laughs> could put into context how much we're dealing with. Okay. Let's get a scale in here. I think we should. Can we get that sponsored by someone? Somebody's got to have We got to get a partner. Little little Let's, drug scale. Yeah. By the way, so in uh, a, like, a, by a partner, do you mean like a meth dealer? Or no, what? like Walgreens oh. or something. A, yeah, a, CVS. Huh? A brick of drugs is two about two point two pounds. Okay, to put Again, that into though, Jeff, I'm trying I just, to. I'm trying. I just wouldn't know. I know that that would look That's like a, a lot bit, of drugs, but I'm just saying. And sixteen ounces in a in a in a pound. Fourteen. 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 Fourteen ounces. Fourteen ounces. No, fourteen grams. That I'm sorry. That's what we we're working with. Fourteen grams is half an ounce. Right, but sixteen ounces in a pound. Yes. 16 no? ounces in a pound, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do know that one. Well, how big is a pound? Like that? Pounds, baby. Like a brick, yeah. So, Speaking of bricks, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Barstool Big Cat is next.